Hi, I'm Naomi Shaman, and welcome to Axios Recap. I'm filling in for Dan this week. Today is Monday, August 10th. The Dow is up, COVID cases in the U.S. are down, and we're focused on what happens now in stimulus negotiations. As of Friday, August recess for Congress was scheduled to start. They hadn't reached any kind of deal on the next stimulus package, and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell basically said that anyone who wanted to go home could go home. Some members of Congress stuck around to keep negotiating with a promise that everyone would get 24 hours notice if there was a vote. That was somewhat confusing. But then, over the weekend, the stimulus situation got more complicated as President Trump signed a combination of memorandums and an executive order that covered four things. Offering $400 a week in additional unemployment benefits, putting a halt on evictions, deferring payroll taxes for some taxpayers, and extending student loan relief. Most experts warn that Trump's actions are legally murky, saying that they're an overreach of executive power, and if they do stand up in court, implementing them could take months. So for families hoping for economic relief via Trump's actions, especially as Congress continues to deliberate, best case scenario is they will have to wait and see and hope they don't owe back money next year from a potential payroll tax deferral this year. Where does this leave Congress on stimulus negotiations? Did it increase the pressure for a deal that would provide swifter, more legally sound relief? Or did it release the pressure that Congress was under leading up to August recess? To find out what we might see this week, we're joined now by Washington Post White House economics reporter Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, Jeff. Let's start with how Congress left things on Friday. They hadn't reached a deal. It sounds like some members left town. Where do things stand heading into this week? I would say that after Trump's executive actions over the weekend, he signed four, and we can get into the substance of those. But since then, there's been a continuation of the standoff from last week in which Democrats have been calling for a comprehensive package to deal with what they see as a myriad of crises facing the country. And Republicans have been pushing for first approving bills that sort of where there are areas of agreement, be that education funding, another round of stimulus payments, additional paycheck protection program money for small businesses. That is sort of the main rift right now. Republicans continued today to say that their first priority is to do some of these piecemeal bills. Okay, so there's this existing stalemate. Then this weekend, Trump signs four executive actions. Let's look at two of them to get a sense of just how difficult it will be to implement them. Could we start with unemployment benefits? And could you unpack that a little bit? So the extended unemployment benefits were in some ways the most important action Trump took. Not only are 30 million or so Americans dependent on that form of financial support, but the president and people around him that I've spoken to were sort of feeling the political pressure from letting these benefits expire. And what Trump did partially tackled the expiration of these benefits. And the way he's doing that is he's tapping a fund from FEMA that is intended for disaster relief. And that money, about $44 billion hurricane relief money, will soon be eligible for a form of lost wage replacement. And what the White House is saying here is that if the states kick in $100 per week per worker and 
they'll kick in an additional $300 per week per worker, which will bring workers to about $400 per week down from the $600 a week benefit that they were previously receiving. And there are a ton of logistical issues and hurdles. Of course, the White House is trying to do this on its own, and it's much harder to do something if you don't have approval from Congress. There are strict budget laws that govern what the administration can do unilaterally. And so they found this end run around where they're going to allocate it from this disaster relief fund. But there's additional problems there. They cannot just put this money through the same funnel that was going to the UI program. Now states are going to have to do that, set up essentially a whole new system to get this $300 a week benefit paid out. So even beyond the legal questions, the administrative complexity and logistical hurdles here could be very, very steep. And on payroll tax deferral, that one actually seems like it might be the most problematic in terms of implementation. It puts employers in a really tough spot. It's unclear if employees would even keep the money if they get the tax deferral or if they'd owe it at some point next year. Can you unpack what implementing this would look like and if it actually might just be so complicated that employers are going to wait to take any action on this for the foreseeable future? I think the unemployment system is going to be really challenging, but in some ways, the payroll tax change that the administration approved on Saturday is even more difficult. Effectively, what they've said is that from September through December, companies are not required to pay to the IRS the payroll taxes that are typically paid on workers. And what they've said is that this will be a deferral rather than a cut found essentially that they do not have the legal authority to change the law unilaterally. But instead, they're going to say we will, because it's an economic emergency, defer tax payments to later. And the idea is that then workers will have a fatter paycheck because their employers will not be collecting that extra tax and sending it to the IRS. If this is only deferred temporarily, at some point, the employers could owe both the taxes that are supposed to be paid now and the taxes that they would be expected to pay typically. So you would see a double tax at the same time. And whether there would be any appetite for doing that and the odds that employers are going to take that gamble that they'll say today, you know, I'm feeling good about this. Let's take a risk and gamble that in eight months, this will be postponed indefinitely or will be cut outright. Seems really foolhardy. I mean, no employer is going to want to tell that are worker that they're going to dramatically cut their pay because they miscalculated what the federal government was thinking. So some of the firms we've already talked to have said, we're not going to touch this with a 10-foot pole. Why would we not just stash this money away? So the odds of this actually resulting in higher paychecks seems pretty thin right now. Maybe that will change and maybe the president will continue to explore other options or maybe Democrats will cave in negotiations with Congress, but really hard to see this having much of a material impact right now. Do you think Trump's actions put more pressure on Congress to act definitively at this point and whether that's sort of to give teeth to what he's trying to make happen or to address it and say, that's actually not the direction we wanted to go in. The compromise is going in this direction instead. I think Democrats will swear up and down that they have the leverage and that Trump is floundering. I'm not so sure that's true. I think it seems at least possible that Trump is going to use the current moment to say that he's brought relief directly to Americans at a time when Congress was too busy bickering and squabbling to do anything about it. You know, a few months before his reelection bid, that that could be a powerful message and one that puts Pelosi and Schumer on their back heel and in greater need to strike a deal. On the other hand, 
making a deal with Trump now would perhaps just embolden him further, make him even look more like a successful negotiator. And in that respect, maybe Democrats are continue to be disincentivized to make a deal with Trump. You mentioned how congressional Democrats are reacting to this. I'm curious, do you think that this released a little bit of the pressure valve that was happening for Republicans in Congress? Does this sort of dictate what their strategy is now and what they're going to keep asking for? Or did it buy them more time, you know, because they sort of have the cover of these executive actions now? Especially on the unemployment side, I think it would have been, and for many of the Republicans, you could tell just from their public comments that they were really uncomfortable with letting the unemployment benefits expire completely. And you had a sense of desperation from many senior Republicans to just get something done. I mean, the headlines about Republican leadership blocking these payments for 30 million people who lost jobs through no fault of their own, that was a a really poor look. But if there is a reprieve here, I, I think it's likely temporary, in large part because the White House really has not approved more money for schools to reopen. Right now, schools are having tremendous challenges reopening, and it's a huge bipartisan priority. And if the White House can't get that done, it looks like they won't be able to, at least right now. Really sort of hard to imagine that they can continue to indefinitely resist pressure to do some deal that gets that done. One last question for you, Jeff. What do you expect to come out of Congress this week in these negotiations? You know, does this, for example, move the UI benefits lower down the list to address? I know you mentioned schools reopening. Like, what's really at the top of the priority list this week? The top of the priority list for most members is being home and running their election campaigns. There are actually very few members in D.C., just leadership, really. Pelosi, Hoyer, I believe McConnell's in D.C., but I'm not sure. There's um, a lot of people sort of not really legislating right now. Uh, most members are not really doing much. And, you know, if I were a betting man, I'd say that we're probably not going to see any action this week uh, whatsoever. There's just, you know, the administration thinks it's bought itself more time and Democrats continue to push for state and local aid money that, you know, has not been something Republicans are willing to agree to. But, you know, I've been wrong before and maybe I'll be wrong again and I'll get something done. But I'll have to see. The Washington Post's White House economics reporter, Jeff Stein. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Naomi. Welcome back. What we're watching today is Congress, as we discussed. The latest, which broke just after taping with Jeff, is that House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer announced the House will not hold any floor votes until September 14th, unless a stimulus deal is reached. We're also watching the Biden campaign specifically when he will announce his pick for vice president. As of taping, he still hasn't announced, and it feels risky to even record that, because it seems like he could announce it any minute. As a reminder, he was expected to announce his pick in the first week of August. But here we are, officially in the second week. Finally, we're also watching Europe, where coronavirus cases are on the rise again. The European Center of Disease Prevention and Control warned that Europe is seeing, quote, a true resurgence in cases. Compliance fatigue was cited as a possible cause. Some places may have to reinstate lockdown and closure measures. And we're done. Big thanks for listening, and to producers Carol Alderman and Tim Shivers. Have a great National S'mores Day, and we'll be back tomorrow with another Axios Recap Podcast.